We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. To the Rotowire NBA podcast, brought to you as always by DraftKings.com. It is Wednesday, April 11th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. Uh, we're no longer doing our regular Thursday pods, uh, but we had some free time this afternoon. Wanted to jump in here uh, and spend most of our time talking about rookies from this past season. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do a couple playoff pods over the next few weeks, but. For the most part, you and I will be will be focusing on prospects for the 2018 draft over the next month or two, um, leading up to the combine next month. But uh, we haven't really taken a comprehensive look back at the 2017 class. So again, we'll spend most of our time doing that. Um, real quickly, though, Wolves Nuggets tonight is essentially a play-in. Uh, not even essentially, it is a play-in for the Western Conference playoffs. Not necessarily for the eight seed. There's so much still at stake that. I think, you know, I mean, Portland can still be as low as like five or six. Utah can get as high as three, I think. So there's there's a lot still to be settled. Um, but Wolves-Nuggets is obviously the game to watch tonight. That one's been flexed yeah, we, onto NBA TV. We complained to the league office. Right. They were willing to they flex it to M- M- NBA TV just for us. Right, which, which neither of us actually get at our respective homes. So we're going to have to go to... Does anyone actually get it? I mean... I don't know. It's not I, as available as it should be. I know the satellite TV package my parents used to have like five years ago had it. Really? If you were okay. willing to spend like 150 bucks a month sure. or whatever. But yeah. Well, we have it at the office. Uh, I don't think we're going to be watching it here. Nope. We'll probably have to go to a neutral site. Um, right. Do you have a preference as to who wins this game? I'm really torn because I know it's been tearing <clears throat> you up. I 
on the one hand, I think it would be hilarious if the Timberwolves missed the playoffs. Yes. On the other hand, I don't think it would be competitive at all if the Nuggets played the Rockets. And I still think the Rockets would beat the T-Wolves in like five games, probably four, maybe four games. But there's at least a chance that with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, you maybe push them to six and at least we get a couple cool games out of it. The the Nuggets have zero chance of making that a competitive series, so it would kind of suck on that end. But I I do think it would be funny if uh, if the Timberwolves miss the playoffs. It would be funny, um, <laughs> but it would also be like really sad in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know they have the crutch of like Jimmy Butler missed all this time. They were in what third or fourth when he went down, and, and I think it's pretty clear things would have gone differently had he not gotten hurt. Um, but for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in so long to a month and a half ago, looking like it was a complete lock, you know, to now be in basically a one game play in to end that drought, um, to have it ripped away like that would be, uh, a pretty horrific ending to the season. Would that, if the Timberwolves lose this game, just, would that make them the most disappointing team in the NBA? Like, is it fair to say that given the injury to Butler and given the fact that they're ultimately this close? Uh, man, I, the Cavs getting the four seed has to be up there. Uh, and the Wizards getting the eight seed. I mean, I know they were without John Wall, but yeah, I think you could make a case that T-Wolves missing the playoffs would be the most disappointing, uh, just because like this, this had to be the year. Like last year was Mm -hmm. a huge letdown for everyone that looked at that roster on paper and thought it was a playoff team. This year, you add the the Jimmy Butler veteran guy that theoretically solved all those issues. Uh, but yeah, this would be it'd be pretty disappointing, and I think I think you could hang almost more of it on Tom Thibodeau, the coach, than Tom Thibodeau, the GM. Like, yeah. he's really screwed up this year in terms of coaching, and has actually probably been better than expected just over the past 12 months mm-hmm. as a GM, uh, the Justin Patton pick obviously wasn't good, but like there's a, there's plenty of picks in that range that weren't good, but he was able to get Jimmy Butler. He was able to, I mean, the Taj Gibson signing was great. Uh, so, I mean, he's done, he's got the talent there. He just has been so stuck in his ways in terms of the rotations, the minutes for the stars, uh, the fact that Carl Anthony Towns somehow is not yet taking like 17, 18 shots a game is very perplexing. The Towns uh, thing, I mean, your your best player voluntarily sitting out the All-Star game basically to rest because he'd played so many minutes before that. And, you know, there may have been other factors in that whole weekend, but still. And then, you know, Butler to get injured shortly after the All-Star break. I agree. I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk if they lose, you know, his Tibbs job on the line. I don't think his job, even after we just said he's failed them as a coach, which I agree he has, I don't think his job as the coach would be on the line. I think they might strip him of GM privileges. You know, they're not going to strip him of coaching privileges and keep him as a GM. But we're seeing more and more teams, uh, more and more situations like this not really work out. Doc Rivers, you know, Stan Van Gundy, um, you know, those type of situations are going to, I think, kind of slowly fade away where we have enough of a sample size where it might work for a year or two, but in the long term, being a coach and being the GM – I think in some ways you're just stretched too thin and there's really not a great track record of it working out. Yeah, it's it's not good. And I just don't know if you're going to be able to – like who's going to come in 
and be able to tell Tibbs, like, look, you're not allowed to play Jimmy Butler more than 37 minutes in right. this December game. <laughs> Which like, is a pretty who, reasonable number. Who you has, know? Who like- has, who's going to be able to come in and tell him that? I don't know. Kevin Garnett? Look, you're going to need to get Carl Lee Towns like five more shots yeah. per game. I'm the GM, you're the coach, but this is what you're going to have to do. Like, right. It's, it's an odd dynamic. I mean, and especially in this situation where they brought Tibbs in, you know, I wouldn't say as the savior, but, you know, it was, all right, this is – we have the team in place, you know, you're kind of the final piece to lead us back to the playoffs. And like, I think to, to kind of walk that back would be a little bit iffy, but I mean, unquestionably the talent is there. This should be a playoff team. Even if they only miss it by a game, they're they're to me the most disappointing team. OKC has to be up there, even though they're going to win 47 or 48 games with that supporting cast. And after what they did last year, I think that's a disappointment. And the other one is Golden State. And I don't know how much you can really place a value on you know, blatant lack of effort, but for this team to win 58 games, you know, to finish the season like they have, they got completely blown out of the water by Utah last night. You know, although you could argue they didn't want to win that game, you know, based on who they want to position themselves to play, et cetera. But you got Durant, Clay, and Draymond who all went into that game, you know, with the expectation that they would play normal minutes and you're down 40 in the second half. Uh, I'm, I've been on the record all year saying I'm not worried about Golden State. As long as Steph Curry is at 80 to 90% by round two, I think they'll be totally fine. Uh, but if he's not, I mean, all of a sudden, I don't, I don't think they could be upset in round one, but you start looking at round two and round three, and it's a different story than it's been these last three years. Yeah, I think that the – I mean, the nice thing for the Warriors is it it's looking like the – Rockets are probably going to have a pretty tough road to the conference finals as well. So even if they run into some struggles, you know, the the team on the other side might be as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, a team like the Jazz would just scare the hell out of me if I was either of those teams. Like, you probably aren't going to lose that series, but it's probably going to take a ton out of your guys to mm-hmm. win it, and that might weaken you. Like, if you're playing the Jazz – and the other team's playing the Blazers, I feel like the team that played the Blazers is going to come into the conference finals feeling a bit more loose. Sure. Uh, but it's – I mean, is there – what What do you think the odds are that we don't get a Rockets-Warriors conference finals? I still wouldn't bet against it. Um, like, I, I think it's almost like – it's it's like 85% likelihood to me. Sure. Like, I just don't – I. I Something crazy would have to happen. I don't know what which team I feel great and say, like, man, I think they really match up well against the Golden State or they really match up against Houston. Like, we, I just got done saying that Golden State's one of my most disappointing teams. And even with all the injuries and, you know, the lack of trying, they're still 10 games better than the next best team in the West. Right. You know, like, I, there's still a pretty big gulf there for me between one, two, and, and the rest of the field. I'm, I'm really not too worried. And I would still pick Golden State over Houston. In, with relative ease, I think Golden State wins that in five or six. I I, I hope it's closer than that. Oh, um, I, I just kind of want. I to wouldn't see throw. I kind of want to see Houston do it. I wouldn't throw the number five in there. I think I think they win it in six or seven. Golden State would have. I mean, as good as Chris Paul and James Harden are, the three and four guys for Golden State are so much better than Houston's three and four. But Houston might be deeper. I think the like five, six, seven, and eight guys on the Rockets are all better than the five, six, seven, and eight guys on the Warriors. Yeah, no, I mean it's gonna. This is this Houston team is the best challenger that we've seen in the West to Golden State 
I think you can go all the way back. And that includes like the Cavs team that beat oh, beat him yeah. as the seventy three win team. Well, that's like this, what I was going to bring yeah. up. I mean, that I think the Cavs team, the Cavs team in twenty sixteen, was was incredible. You know, by the way, by the end of that series, with the way that Kyrie and LeBron basically played in games five, six, and seven, you know, I think I don't. It would be hard to, for any team to match that. But yeah, overall, top to bottom, talent wise, I think this Houston team is better. I think James Harden is better than Kyrie. I think Chris Paul is better than Kyrie. Obviously, they don't have LeBron, and that's kind of the ultimate piece. Um, but like looking at this year's Cavs team, or even this year's Raptors, like how many teams in the West would you would you peg as the favorite to, if they were in the East? Uh, I I would Rockets Warriors would both be favorites, I think, in the East, and that's yeah. probably where that's probably where it ends. You think so? Yeah. Okay, so you think Toronto is on is like on the same level or a little bit better than? Oh, Portland I mean, I don't think I, I think the Cavs are the favorite in the East. I don't I don't I, care what seed they are. I don't care who they play. Right. Um, I mean, I think you. I could, would take the Cavs over the Jazz, the Blazers, the Spurs, the Thunder, sure. and the T Wolves. I would as well. Although I think like you look at the Eastern Conference matchups and you know you're talking like round two, it's like man, Cleveland could struggle a little bit with Milwaukee. They could give them problems. Like to me, Cleveland would really be in trouble if they had to play. OKC in round two or San Antonio in round two or Utah or Portland like those teams to me they'd give them yeah they'd give them a hard fight for sure right uh but I still just don't like who who like who uh who would be your like your top two guys Kawhi's hurt like who are the top two guys in the NBA at guarding LeBron James not CJ Miles (laughs) definitely not Serge Ibaka I don't know is there like who is there anyone like, out there? Kawhi is the one guy. I mean, Iguodala really gets a lot to. of love for that. I think Iguodala I mean, until 2016. There. Yes, yeah. before that, like in 2015, he really bothered LeBron. I think Durant, when he is on him, does a decent job about like at least sticking with him on yeah. the perimeter. Durant, you know, could get pushed around a little bit. I mean, would you? Would PJ Tucker and Luke Mbamute be in that mix? Tucker Mbamute, yes. Tucker, I struggled with him a lot in that Toronto series last year um i don't know if he's quite quick enough like nobody there's just no one that can like you can say like tucker's good at defending lebron inside of 10 feet durant's good at defending him outside of 10 feet there's no one that really has that combination we'll see i mean do the sixers have like is can Embiid switch out on him effectively enough can simmons utah versus cleveland would be fun just because i'd like to see how much lebron was willing to attack gobert in the paint um but like they don't have anyone that could guard him and Uh, none of these oh, teams. Oh, Jay Crowder. <laughs> oh man, oh man, that would if be. We get a, if we that'd get a be merciless. Utah finals, yeah. <laughs> what would be the worst possible like semi-realistic finals for the league and for fans? Ah, um, like a Toronto, Toronto. I don't know, see, I just don't think anything without Houston or Golden State's realistic. I I agree. So, worst realistic one, just Toronto versus. Rockets, I don't know. Toronto. Yeah. Any uh, Toronto versus anybody. Toronto basically. actually versus Warriors would actually probably be the worst because nobody cares like once once it gets to that point everyone's like, "Yep, Warriors won." Like, yep. who cares? We'll go home. But if it's like Houston at least it's like James Harden, Chris Paul going yeah. for their first ring, there's like some intrigue there. Right. So like I think Warriors uh Raptors would be the worst okay. realistic one. Yeah, last thing I wanted to bring up with you before we do rookies was you know, kind of what what are the narratives that are going to be on the line here? And I think first and foremost is Chris Paul who has obviously been, I wouldn't say in this position, he's never been the one seed out West, but he's been in pretty good playoff position in the past. I would never say that he's been on a team that is the first or second favorite to go 
and, and ultimately win the final. I think whoever comes out of the West is winning the finals, especially if it's Golden State or Houston, mm-hmm. they're beating anybody in the East. Right. I don't really think it's going to be all that close. The Western Conference Finals, to me, will basically be the finals uh, as they were last year. But, I mean, Paul, to me, is the one guy who can kind of I wouldn't say completely reverse his entire narrative because there's always going to be you know he had to go and be the second guy to Harden but from going from a guy who's kind of been lumped in with like the Tracy McGrady's of the world you know I think Chris Paul is a better player than Tracy mm-hmm. McGrady but you know if you're a casual fan the things you know about Chris Paul is he's a great point guard he complains and he never makes it to the conference finals like he has a chance to completely you know put that that part of his legacy I guess in the past and and all of a sudden you know, the next two or three years of his career can, can kind of shape how he's remembered. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, could Carmelo um, oh change God. the narrative? <laughs> I, I was reminded yesterday, like, Carmelo hasn't even been in the playoffs since that year with the Knicks yeah. when they won well, like 50-some games. Um, it was like, it's been like five years. If he, like Carmelo could get hot for like a month and they could go, like I could see this, Thunder team. Did you say Carmelo could get hot for a month? Well, I'm just could saying, he? like, I don't like, think he can. He's been so bad this year that, like, the <laughs> amount do? of the amount of uh, people piling on Carmelo has just reached epic proportions. <laughs> but if he, you know, it, any, anyone can get hot in a month, and know. you know, if they end up, know. if they can just dodge the seven or eight seed, they could go to the se- the Western Conference semis and maybe push a team to, because like that. That that Thunder team is very well constructed, minus Carmelo for giving one of these top two teams like a bit of a push, like a making a series go to yeah. six games. It's just that Carmelo is such a weak link in that the way that he plays offense and the way that he plays defense. It's just so easy for any team to kind of pick him apart. Uh, but if he just you know, sucked it up for a month and really really balled out that would really change the narrative i think <laughs> if he sucked it up okay. um i thought royce young the other day on a, on a podcast made a really interesting point that he was like everybody thought and everybody's saying like why doesn't he just be olympic mellow and he's like he basically is on offense he's just not hitting shots like he's he are the other night he eclipsed his uh single season career high and made threes like he's taking as many threes as people want he's just not making them and the other difference with olympic mellow is he was on the court with four other world-class defenders and you couldn't just iso Carmelo and, and take advantage of him. And I think that's where, that's where it's really hurt them. You know, like even they've been fine offensively, even with him, you know, kind of being hot and cold on a night to night basis, but defensively, like, I don't know if you watched last week when they played golden state, uh, there were three possessions in a row in the second quarter, Durant, ISOed on him, bucket, bucket, and then drew a foul on a three. Like it was very clear what the game plan was and it was very effective. He, the, the, Carmelo's going to be Olympic mellow. Dream Team mellow is like the most overused and just delusional narrative that there's been in the NBA for like the past five or six years. It's like, well, we saw him just be a great teammate that one year when like LeBron James and Kobe Bryant yeah. and their primes were on his team. Like He really gave it to that great well, Angola yeah, team. Yeah, like he was in his prime. Kobe and LeBron were in their primes, so he knew that he wasn't the guy. Like right. the only guys that were going to – convince prime mellow that he wasn't the guy where Kobe and LeBron and they happen to both be on the same team. And like, he's never going to view any NBA regular season team. Like he's not good enough right. to be mellow. And he hasn't been in his prime for like five years. So like you can't expect him to get in a time machine and all of a sudden just start believing mm-hmm. what reporters are telling him. I, I think 
what it all goes back to is the hoodie mellow videos <laughs> because that gave false hope to a lot of people, myself included. I didn't see Car- Mar- Carmelo Anthony shot hundred percent from the field over the summer. And I think we were misled because he was not allowed to wear the hoodie in game. And as soon as he had to wear normal clothing, which for him is basically shooting sleeve on both arms, t-shirt headband, long socks, four pairs of tights. I think he tried to replicate it as well as he could and he just couldn't. Uh, all right, before we get to rookies, a reminder that, again, we are brought to you by DraftKings, still offering free six-month RotoWire subscription to new DraftKings users. Today would be probably a, an odd time to get in on Daily Fantasy Sports because there are a ton of NBA games and only like half of the normal players will be playing. Uh, but, you know, could be your chance. Uh, the DraftKings will also be running contests during the playoffs, so there's that. You can receive a free $3 ticket for a one-day sports contest deposited right into your account once you create that on DraftKings.com. Deposit has to be at least $10. Go to DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018 to sign up and claim your free subscription today. All right, that typing I'm hearing you uh, doing right now, I can only assume you're just finishing off pages and pages of notes that you prepared for this. Can we actually take a quick pause really quick? Yes. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. And we're back. Okay, uh, rookies. Uh, first, we'll, we'll start, instead of going in chronological order as to, to how guys were picked, uh, we do have to include someone from last year's class, uh, Ben Simmons, which, as you know, some would argue... Controversial. Some would argue he's not a rookie. Um, <laughs> precedent says that he's definitely a rookie. Uh, there really wasn't any question about this until, like, 20 hours ago. Uh, I've, I'm of the belief that, and I really do not like when awards are split, but I would be absolutely fine with Simmons and, and Mitchell splitting this one. Um, and it should be pointed out that if the, if the award's going to be split, that would mean that the voting has to be equal. The league can't just step in and say, we're going to give it to both of you, uh, which is entirely possible. I, I think Simmons ultimately wins it, you know, maybe 60-40, but who knows? It could be closer. That said, uh, not, a, not a big fan of the campaigning that Donovan Mitchell has been doing Stop for himself. It. That Stop it, It, it was very Adidas uh, of Adidas to make that sweatshirt. Um I mean, and most people kind of saw through this, you know, on Twitter last night. But the argue, if you have to go as far as to suggest that your, you know, your opposition should be disqualified, um, that probably means that you're you're not going to win the award. Adidas is such a underdog with an underdog mentality, mm-hmm. and I, I hate to see them passing that off on such a cool young player like Donovan Mitchell. Uh, there's no shame in taking second place in this award it's fine like you're 
lost to a guy that's going to be a perennial all-star for the next decade and you're going to be a perennial all-star for the next decade too right. so just chill out uh i get it like there's there's money in at stake like he would probably make more money in endorsements if or adidas would at least make more money yeah. in endorsement or in in shoes if he won rookie of the year i guess there's probably something to back that up but it's not like anyone that's voting for ben simmons doesn't recognize how good donovan mitchell's been right and i totally agree that this is a year where I would be cool with the split because I could go back and forth on this in my own head just time after time. It's it's easy to say, like, oh, this guy does this, this guy doesn't do this, and then mm. uh, kind of create some separation there. But it's it's really been so close that it's I'd be fine with either guy winning it. But, yeah, like the campaigning thing, just, dude, it's rookie of the year. Yeah, like, chill out. Simmons, Simmons is going to go into the playoffs on a 16-game winning streak, uh, a large portion of which has been – you know, not solely him. He's got a lot of help. And Bellinelli and Ursano played really well. Sarge has been great. But, you know, since Embiid went down, I think that's almost helped, you know, to kind of seal Simmons' case that they have not missed a beat whatsoever. Because the argument against him was, well, he has Embiid. You know, he doesn't have to do as much. Uh, but the fact that he's played even better without Embiid and just continuing to steamroll everyone. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, like, Mitchell's going to lead the Jazz to the playoffs, which is extremely impressive. Again, not to take anything away from him, but his numbers have also quietly declined a little bit, like efficiency wise over the last few weeks. I mean, he's down to like 34% from three, you know, obviously that's better than Simmons who is at 0% from three. Uh, but Simmons is shooting like 11 points better from the field. He's blowing him out of the water, obviously in, in most counting stats other than scoring. Um, I thought, I thought uh, Nate Duncan made a really good argument for Donovan Mitchell on uh, one of their recent pods just kind of talking about the difference in degree of difficulty if you're the guy that just has to break down the defense and then get it to a teammate or like lay it in or whatever versus the guy that like has to take all those shots you mm-hmm. know like it's like Simmons doesn't shoot threes like nobody respects him like as a jump shooter uh, but he's still talented enough to where he can kind of break everything down and like get guys looks uh whereas mitchell like has to like he has to do it like he's the guy that has to mm-hmm. take the shot make the shot uh he's still creating some shots too but like he has a ton more on his shoulders in terms of scoring especially like scoring in ways that like like simmons scores but a lot of it's just kind of like fast breaks yeah. or just you know kind of easy stuff uh mitchell's like got a lot a lot of tough shots right. that he's taking and making. So I, I sort of I get that sort of argument for Mitchell. Yeah, I remember uh, Nate Duncan saying that, and then I thought the same thing. I mean, it's it, again, it goes back to the point that it really could go either way. And if if you're upset that one guy wins it and the other guy doesn't, you know, I think that's just kind of counterproductive. I, I, that it's that close, right? I mean, I can't remember. I don't. I, I don't really get bent out of shape about mvp awards let alone rookie of the year awards (laughs) like who cares um okay well let's uh let's just kind of go pick by pick then um starting uh at the top of the draft markel fultz not a ton to say here for obvious reasons i think he's looked i've been watching all this possession since he came back and i think he looks really good he looks much he looks much better honestly than i thought he's it's like very very clear that he's gaining comfortability with each game uh, he took a three the other night. He looks the jump shot still doesn't look perfect. Like uh, it kind of goes every other. Like he'll he'll knock down a pull up jumper where it looks great, and then you'll see him at the free throw line where it's it's clear that there's still 
a little bit of a kind of a mental block there. Um, but it, to me, it seems like the possessions where he has to shoot the ball, like there's been a couple where he'll like get the ball with two seconds on the clock. Um, like the other night he hit like a 20 footer on the baseline with a hand in his oh. face oh. where it was clear, like he didn't, he had to <laughs> shoot it. He was getting it. And if he didn't shoot it, there was going to be a shot clock violation. The shot looked perfect. He made it, you know, I think it's the shots where he has, where he has time to think about it, where it's still a little bit of an issue. Uh, I'm not convinced he's going to be a huge factor in the playoffs, but I, if I'm a Philly fan, I would be infinitely more encouraged right now than I was, you know, even a week or two ago when he first came back. Yeah, it's uh, he's a guy that I think is going to enter the offseason with some kind of positive hype and is going to be a pretty popular guy next season in terms of people picking him to really break out. Uh, I don't think there's any chance he goes – first overall anymore uh i think i'd take donovan mitchell over like him in the redraft yeah yeah uh but i i think that they it's it was it was still a fine pick i mean i don't i think they've gotten they've gotten enough heat for that right. trade and everything but uh he's still a top five prospect from that mm-hmm. class right i think the the issue is that they gave up assets to move up and then the guy that they you know right could have taken jason tatum at three looks really good yeah like you'd take you would still as impressed as you have been with all the uh, possessions right. you've watched of Fultz. So uh, many possessions. You'd take Tatum over him. Tens correct? of possessions. Yeah, 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 right. I think I would. I would need to see you know another twenty to thirty games of Fultz before I'm ready to say that because we've seen we've seen Jason Tatum play really really well for eighty games now, mm-hmm. and I I think that even even if you could argue that Fultz's ceiling is a little bit higher, I guess I mean I think most people would argue that it's pretty close if not in favor of Tatum at this point um you know him being the more known commodity at this point I think gives him the edge Lonzo Ball we haven't seen him play in a while he's going to end the year uh missing 30 games 52 games overall 50 starts I think my my love for Lonzo coming out of UCLA has in a little you know a little bit colored my my judgment on him I know I think I'm higher on him still than you are um I still I'm I'm impressed I guess with how much the passing and rebounding has translated you know i mean he was he was basically a 10 assist uh 10 assist seven rebounds guy at ucla and you know he's not at 10 for the year but you know per 36 the numbers look really good defensively he's been much better than anticipated um and to me that's what's been the saving grace you know as bad as his shooting has been except for that like one month stretch where he got super hot he's been horrible outside of that but you know at the very least you can fall back on all right he's a great passer you know that was that was all legitimate He's a good rebounder, and you know, I wouldn't say he's a great defender. I think there's a difference between racking up a lot of steals and being like an actual lockdown defender. But for a guy who most people thought would be like a major liability on D, the fact that he's at least held his own is positive. Yeah, I think defense is definitely where he's surprised me this year. I think kind of really the rest of the entire package I'm not all that surprised by, uh, but the the fact that he's actually been able to be a positive on defense as a rookie mm. is that's pretty hard to do. That's pretty rare, especially among point guards. So uh, maybe not the exact player the Lakers thought they were getting, but definitely a guy that I think you can feel okay about as a, as someone you drafted number two overall. Would would they move him this summer? If it meant they could, they could get a start. Like, has he been good enough that you're like you would feel really iffy about trading him? Like, to me, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, why? Why would they have to move him? Well, to get off of the dead money. 
Well, sure. If something like that, I mean, in theory, they have the space already, you know, for two maxes since they were able to deal Moskov. But, you know, if, if there was some sort of deal out there to get, you know, let's say LeBron says he's coming and you're trading for someone, I don't even know who it would be, Kawhi, Davis, whatever, uh, as unrealistic as that might be, just in a vacuum, like, would you feel like you I, might be missing out on something if you're trading him? I would have no problem trading him for a a difference maker like a guy yeah. that could be a top three player on a championship team i i wouldn't look back on right. that at all yeah i'm not saying you're dumping him like d'angelo russell yeah you know I think no i yeah as long as as long as you're getting back a guy that caliber i mean it, for as good as lonzo was as a rookie he's not gonna help you win a title next year like he i mean he'll be competent you'll be able to play him but he's not gonna be a difference maker on a title team anytime soon yeah i think you know if there's before we move on one major criticism is that he doesn't get to the free throw line whatsoever you know he would go five six seven games in a row you know with one or zero free throw attempts he it seemed like he's overly reliant on the three and obviously that's tied into not getting to the free throw line like he has he scored a lot on fast breaks he was good in those situations you know he could blow by a guy and finish but if there's a defender there he's not going to finish through contact he's not even really going to get to that point he's going to back it out or pass it that to me is is a pretty major issue unless he starts hitting the threes but you can't be shooting you know what is he at from three uh, on the year right now you can't you can't shoot 31 percent from three and then also not even get to the hole whatsoever slash get to the free throw line like that's obviously a glaring issue and i think something that uh the lakers will need to correct this summer jason tatum um don't really have to spend too much time on him he's been really really good um and honestly good to the point that it it almost like complicates things for Boston, you know, with Gordon Hayward coming back next year, with all this Kawhi stuff going on, um, you know, I think he—I wouldn't say he's exceeded expectations, you know, because I think we all knew the talent was there. But for a guy who we probably thought was going to play like 15 minutes a game, to basically be playing 30 minutes a game uh, and not sacrifice, you know, any of that efficiency has been really, really impressive. And he would be the rookie of the year in, you know, what seven or eight of the last 10 years, probably. Yeah, it'd be. It'd be fun to kind of go back and just name how many rookies from this class we would give the award to last year. I would say at least seven without even – like, would Lonzo have won it last year? Yes. He would have been in the yeah. conversation. Oh, Lonzo would have won Would Josh Jackson yeah. have won it? Uh, I That's borderline. Uh, I think, I think like, Markkinen wins. Yes. Dennis Smith. Um, does Bogdanovich win? Yeah, that's yeah. The question might be where do you draw the line? Because like numbers wise, Bogdanovich compares pretty favorably, or you know, is about equal to Brogdon. I think he's better than Brogdon. Like if I could just only have one of them going yeah. forward, I would take Bogdanovich. They're both old, which complicates things. Yeah. Like Bogdanovich is twenty five. Uh, okay, Josh Jackson. You and I love Josh Jackson. I loved him more as a prospect than I have this season. I just I he. It's he, he was better coached at Kansas than he's been in the NBA. Like he does, he does so much stuff in the NBA that any coach would just scream like, "You're not, you can't do that." Like that's that's a horrible waste of a possession. And he never used to do that crap at Kansas. Like he he always kind of played within himself and seemed to be making the right plays and everything like that in the flow of Kansas's offense. And I mean, the physical tools are like obvious. That's that's part of the reason why you love a guy like that. But he's just been such a kind of out of control possession waster in the NBA that I, I did not see that coming at all. Like a, a lot of the stuff that I love 
about him or that I loved about him as a prospect is very evident. Mm-hmm. He just makes so many terrible decisions on a per night basis that it's just like, how are you going to get, like you've just allowed him to develop so many terrible habits offensively, a little bit defensively. I don't know how you kind of hit the reset button and get him to kind of go back to, to the way he was. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, he was someone that we said back in June, like you really don't want him to be in Sacramento because he's the type of guy that could go, I think he had maybe of the top five guys, like the widest variance of outcomes where if he goes, like if he's in Boston, I don't think he puts up the numbers Tatum's putting up, but like I think he would have had a really, really productive, similarly productive rookie I think year. you could – I think if he had gone to Boston and Tatum had gone to Phoenix, I think people would be looking at Jackson as the better long-term prospect right now, whereas uh, – and I actually think – he definitely like you're right like he absolutely would not be able to have handled the workload that Tatum's been assigned especially with all those injuries but I just think developmentally like you want him in a situation where he was only getting like 20 minutes a game this year and just not like there were consequences for bad shots like you're coming out of the game like that was garbage like you're not you're not going to play as much tomorrow night for whatever reason and all that stuff um and you just that that type of thing has not been enforced yep. at all in Phoenix. I think it goes both sucks. ways. Like if he, had he gone and had he gone to Boston, I think he would have had a similar year that like Jalen Brown had last year. Um, you know, because Jackson's not nearly the shooter Tatum is, and that's the big difference. Where like Jackson couldn't have played thirty minutes for them because he's a twenty seven percent three point shooter, and Tatum is like a forty percent three point shooter. But I think Jackson would have had an encouraging rookie year, and then would have come back next year as a much better player. And, I, and I'm a little. I'm a little worried. I mean, I'm not of the belief that being on a tanking team like ruins a player for his career, but like you said, like it, it's developmentally in theory, it's good to let a guy just go crazy and play 30 to 40 minutes, which is basically what Jackson's been doing for the last two months. But when there are no consequences, the rest of your guys you're playing with don't care. Like you know, Marquise Chris doing all Marquise Chris things. Like that whole that whole situation felt very Kingsy down the stretch. <laughs> but then you look at Josh Jackson's numbers last 21 games. 19 points, six rebounds, two and a half assists, over two combined steals and blocks, 45% from the field, and then just 27% from three. Like the numbers look good. And also, like, what, 68% from the line, something like that? 60, yeah, 68. Very yeah. good. Um, um, I don't know. To me, like, long term, I still like him, but like, it's not, it wouldn't be hard for me to see him like taking the Will Barton path as opposed <laughs> to like a, an all star caliber wing. I, you, I mean, as long as he's in Phoenix, I just it's so hard to envision it him him being a winning player just in that environment. Like yeah. I think there are still places where you'd want him to go and you'd be like, Oh man, this is gonna be great. Like if, if Josh Jackson goes to like Miami or Josh Jackson goes to yep. Dallas or something like that, then all of a sudden you have a potential all star on your hands because of what he's shown uh in the second half this year. But mm-hmm. I'd still just it's oh man, it's Sacramento and Phoenix are really kind of in a, a league of their own in terms of places you really don't want your favorite prospects to go yes. to because I think Orlando's just, getting there too. Yeah, I mean, at least I think Frank Vogel's like fairly competent. Like he, the the GM that was there before uh, the, this new regime Rob came Hennigan, in. Say his name. Rob Hennigan did not do Frank Vogel any favors except for hiring him, which was a big favor. Uh, but yeah, it's 
at least in Orlando, I don't think these type of bad habits are going to develop as prevalently as they are in, in Phoenix. At, at Orlando at least is trying to be proactive in preventing them. Phoenix and Sacramento <laughs> seem to have no interest in putting out any of these fires whatsoever. And I, I mean, the way it's looking like Phoenix, I guess, has a brighter future. Like Sacramento is nowhere near where they want to be. They, they're going to have their pick this year. They don't have their pick at all next year. Clearly, this isn't a team that's going to be a playoff team. They're probably going to be giving up a top five pick in 2019. Like they're, they're as bad now as they were five years ago as they were 10 years ago. Complete joke. Speaking of Sacramento, <laughs> De'Aaron Fox. Uh, about as expected. I was going to say the same thing. He had pretty much the prototypical rookie year for a guy with his profile Struggled from three, as we expected. Was good on D. You know, obviously needs to gain some weight. That'll help on both ends. I mean, encouraging that he kept his overall field goal percentage over 40. I think he w- I would have taken the under on that. Um, but 30% from three, you know, not great at the line. Uh, but he st- I think he still showed enough flashes. Like, there are other guys I would probably take at five. Like, would you rather have Dennis Smith than him? I don't think I would. I just okay. – I, I think – Dennis Smith to me is just going to be one of the worst defenders in the league forever, and I don't think he's going to be an efficient enough scorer to make up for that. Like you, you almost have to be like James Harden, Russell Westbrook level good offensively to make up for being that bad defensively, and I just don't see Smith getting there. Whereas at least with Fox, I feel like he can get to the point where he doesn't have any weaknesses like I think he gets to the point where he hits open threes at an acceptable clip uh even if it's only like 35 34 percent or I mean I think that that's that's fine given the other stuff that he can do whereas Smith defensively it's just a complete train wreck yeah all right I'll give you that Jonathan Isaac at six kind of a wash I mean he basically hurt his ankle the first week of the year and just every time he came back tweaked it again Never really had any like signature performances, but that said, everything you well, hear, you weren't like, in that you weren't in that uh, church for his. Uh, oh, that's right. That that, that might have that might have been a signature performance. Yeah, his, his signature sermon of yeah. the year. <laughs> Honestly, that's probably what's going to be remembered about his <laughs> year. Sermon of the year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> MVP, most valuable pastor. Um, yeah, I mean, we, there's really not there's no. like no sample here, but no. the, I will say everything that you would hear out of Orlando is. They love what they've seen mm-hmm. in, in small sample sizes. He's great in practice. You Would know, you take we'll Isaac or Josh Jackson? Josh Jackson. I'm a sucker. Josh I am too. I know Josh Jackson could still be better than Michael Moore. I, t- I, I, would, I would think that I could fix Josh Jackson. Yeah. If he, yeah, right. If he came to our rec league. If he, got into, our, if he got into our program. Right. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I'll let you handle marking in at seven. I know this is kind of a personal uh, thing for you. Well, you know, you had a lot of talking heads, a lot of. A lot of touts, if you will, talking about how that was gurus such a, even gurus, talking about how that was such a one sided deal for the T Wolves, making fun of Larry Markinen. I, I remember people calling him uh what was he called? Barnani something, Darko something, like blah blah blah. Larry Milicic, like yeah. fin- finish finish uh what was it? Finish Darko or finish uh Barnani, whatever. Sure. Lots of catchy nicknames like those. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, who's laughing now? Uh, <laughs> he's been good. He's uh, just—he's kind of exactly what you would have wanted him to be if you were the team acquiring him. Like you—you you knew he wasn't going to be this 
awesome two-way player. Uh, but I think the one thing you have to look at with his three-point percentage is his shots have been pretty hard, especially for a rookie, because that team's been so bad that there's just why would why would he ever have any space? Right. Like he's proven to be one of the few guys on that team all season that can score on you. So he just hasn't gotten the clean looks that a guy like Tatum's going to get in Boston. Mm -hmm. So I think it was, it was still impressive for him to shoot what he shot this year. Uh, he's better off the bounce. than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be and is a competent rebounder. Uh, I think it's a borderline good rebounder. Yeah. I think the, the key is like the big that you can pair him with long-term and, Ideally, uh, I think were we talking about Bamba? Bamba like, is where I like want Chicago Bamba. To go. The Bamba Markinen pairing would just be all kinds of fun, yeah. and I mean, you, you really couldn't find a better guy to to put next to Markinen, and that's what makes it so fun is that it's totally in play mm -hmm. uh, with where the lottery odds are shaking out. So even I mean, they're they're probably not going to get like a guy like Aiton, but. If they got a guy like Bamba or even like Wendell Carter, I think that that would be pretty cool. Anybody but Bagley for them. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we should say briefly, Phoenix has locked up the number one lottery odds. Memphis has locked up number two. Dallas, Atlanta, Orlando, I think is still yet to be decided. Chicago is probably pretty comfortably in that seven spot. So, you know, we'll see anywhere. They'll probably pick anywhere from five to eight. Uh, Bamba very much in play at that point. My only points on Markinen, you kind of hit on it, way better rebounder than I thought. I, I really, really thought he would get just murdered on the boards, and that was not the case whatsoever. Um, and I think he, he's sixth among rookies in scoring per game. I think he could be, he would be as high as third if they actually played him over the last like three months. I mean, they basically. <laughs> he's been good enough that they've had to right, sit him exactly. to tank. That's the best. Yeah, I, I wrote that on the site a couple <laughs> weeks ago. He's been so good that they've had to sit him as a rookie. Most rookies, you can just. Exactly. Play him, play him as right. much as you want. It's not going to hurt your chances of getting better right. lottery odds, but he's been that good. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, I think you said this a couple months ago when we talked about him was you haven't heard one thing about his defense all year, which is good because that, that doesn't mean he's been a good defender, but what it more so means is that he hasn't been a huge liability in that area. And he's he's athletic enough and long enough and quick enough on his feet that he'll get the occasional like chase down block or like like his guy gets past him but he still is able to reach over and block his shot like that type of stuff like you know he he's going to get compared to a guy like Rand Anderson for forever basically just because they're both white they're both about the same size they can both shoot it from pretty much anywhere but like Anderson's never been able to be like a competent uh help defender or, or just competent team defender even really so right. I think that that's a that's a big positive sign for for marketing Okay, Neil Aquina at eight. I have a feeling this will be a quick one. Yeah, really good defender. Offensive game, still really raw. Woefully underdeveloped offensively, which is not a surprise. I mean, he he's kind of like Fox in that the numbers aren't great. The team wasn't great. It's been a disappointing season, but it's hard to look at Neil Aquina and say, like, this guy's been a massive disappointment. He's been, if you watched him before the draft, like, this is about what you should have expected. Rotowire's New York Knicks fan, Andrew Layard, reached out to me on slack today and wanted well first he wanted some comps on jalen brunson which i uh kind of hubered him with and then uh who'd you give him 
I don't even remember. I mean, Jameer he, Nelson. Yeah, <laughs> I might have thrown out Jermaine Nelson. Felt. But he was like, "Well, we're we're not. I wish we could get McCall Bridges, but we're not going to be able to get him." And I was like, "What about a uh, Colin Sexton Neil Akina pairing? Like that? I think that'd be kind of fun, where you just kind of let Sexton take the the worst." offensive guard on the other team like he'll he'll make some gambles he'll do this and that but like he kind of carries the the load offensively you let neil akina shut down the other guard and then just kind of let those guys do it up i think that'd be an defensively it'd be a lot of fun there'd be very little three-point shooting a little bit undersized overall like that that kind of feels like the defensive version of lillard and mccollum <laughs> none of the offense <laughs> the defensive version do we seriously do you buy into like you think Sexton's gonna be a plus defender? I know that he's like active he tries, and stuff. I yeah. just I can't. I think I don't know. I think so. I mean, maybe not I right away. Know. I think he'll be a, a good defender. Right. You know, by year two or three. Dennis Smith. Speaking of great defenders, uh, not as good of a dunker as Donovan Mitchell. Right. The judges have spoken. Um, he's another guy. Pretty much what you'd expect. I think he was limited a little bit more than I thought he would be for a lot of the year. When the Mavs... how many of the guys that went ahead of him would you take him over? Um, I would. Would you go Fultz over him or no? I think I'd I take Fultz. Yeah, I would take Fultz. I think some would take him over Lonzo. I'd still take Lonzo. Um, I would take Dennis Smith over De'Aaron Fox. Okay. And I would take him over Neil Kino for sure. I wouldn't take him over Laurie, and it's kind of a wash with Isaac because we just okay. don't know enough. All right. Yeah, that's fine. All right. You, that's all. You, that's allowed. That's allowed. You sign off on that. Okay. Uh, Zach Collins uh kind of an incomplete i guess i think that he he's someone that i think has a chance to be a a really solid modern day five but it's not the best situation just because the team's competitive enough to where like it's hard to develop a a prospect big on a competitive team Mm -hmm. because you just you're sacrificing so much defensively to get them those yeah. minutes that it's just it's tough. Like it's it's easier with a guy like Tatum because it's just like, hey, guard your guy, right. switch. Uh but when you're tasked with kind of protecting the rim and trying to develop a guy on the fly, it's yeah. tough. Well, especially on that team where you have Nurkic, Aminu, Harkless, you know, like there are other guys, Swanigan. I mean, Swanigan was basically in Zach Collins' role for the first three weeks and then Collins just is, Swan- kind of is Swanigan still on the team? He is. Okay. He's been a lot of the year in the G League, but okay. he's back. He's played in like four of the last five games. Um, I think they've been a little disappointed in Caleb Swanigan. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, he was supposed to be the more NBA-ready guy, and Collins has kind of ended up uh, taking those minutes. Malik Monk at 11. Ooh, yikes. Uh, as of like a week or two ago, I think I guess about a week ago when I looked this up, he had like the second worst – uh field goal percentage ever among all rookies who had mm. attempted at least 300 shots and skeetish Vili was in that crowd there were like two other guys who had been about as bad so that was that was pretty rough mm-hmm. for malik uh although ever since uh charlotte basically conceded that they're not going to make the playoffs he's been like quietly going nuts he has three 20 point games in the last mm. four um over his last nine he's shooting 46 percent from two or 46 percent overall 42 percent from three on almost eight attempts per game which goes back to to what we said before the draft like he was the guy that I think like I really wanted him to be good and I think a lot of people felt that way like everybody loved watching him last year he was somebody that I think most people are rooting for generally even if you're not 
you don't care about the Hornets like we do. But he's also someone who I think really struggles when he's not the guy. And I, we saw that early. Like, he can't just be the fifth option out there. He doesn't defend. You know, he, right. he needs to be involved in doing Which things. Which brings me to this question, and I think I know the answer. Like, I was – I always felt like I was lower on Monk than, than most. And even I liked Monk before last year's draft more than I liked Trey Young before this year's draft. And I think – that that should be kind of instruction, like like if you're if you're trying to talk yourself into Trey Young as a team, go look at what Malik Monk did this year. Like ask yourself, like what what what's going to make Trey Young that much better than Malik Monk? Like he's not going to be good enough to be our number one option, right? And he's going to be terrible when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. So why are we taking this guy in the lottery? Like, I guess that that's something that I would want every team thinking about taking Trey Young mm-hmm. to ask themselves because I Malik Monk's a more talented player than Trey Young, and we just saw what happened with him in the right. NBA. But I think that's a good comp in that Trey Young, in a lot of ways, needs to be the guy when he's out there too. So like, if you're like, I almost want him to go to a good team that will either like hand him the reins to the second unit where he can kind of play Trey Young basketball. Or, I mean, do you just send him to the G League for much of the year? I don't know. Like, I, I really think Trey Young would do the same. Like you said, he'll have a very similar season to Malik Monk. And he's probably a better playmaker, um, but he's, you know, more undersized. He's even skinnier than Malik Monk. You know, there are certainly red flags there. But there is also the argument that I think NBA spacing, NBA teammates will help Trey Young. Yeah, I... I mean, I think if Malik Monk had gotten a team to himself the way that Trey Young did, I think that he would have put up similar numbers i yeah. mean he he went for 40 plus on kentucky i mean that right. like i i think that he's just maybe you could say playmaking trey young's better but i don't even know if i'd give him that edge just because like malik monk was never mm-hmm. asked to make plays like when as a rookie all right real quick luke Kennard, better than malik monk you would take Kennard long term yeah oh yeah really okay yeah i mean i think Kennard at least very high floor, which is what we expected. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I would. He'll never be an all star. I'm pretty confident saying he's that. a better pure shooter than Monk. Yeah, and that's all you're getting out of that player is shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I mean, I you're not getting anything other than that from Monk. So right. why wouldn't you take the guy that's better shooter? Yeah, no. I mean, I know it's kind of a lazy comp, but Kennard could very well have a JJ Redick career. I mean, I think he he's like JJ Redick struggled a ton early on, and I mean, Kennard is much more ready um and even you know he was kind of in and out of the rotation but he was playing 20 plus minutes for most of the year for what was that from you know for 70 percent of the year a fairly competent playoff caliber team um I think yeah I mean that's it's not really a pick if you're a Pistons fan that you're like super excited for year two of Luke Kennard but like at the very least you got a starting you did caliber. better you did better than you did with Henry Ellenson yes better <laughs> good, better good pick God. better pick than that one yes uh Donovan Mitchell I mean anything more to say than we already did I would be very surprised if he was not a like five or six time all star. Yeah. No, I mean it's 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 very hard to look ahead and be like, we're watching the next Dwayne Wade, but like that's in play, right? I mean it's you I don't want to just bestow it on him, but it not many rookies come in and average twenty a game and yeah. play sort, make. sort of different games, but I, I think he's just gonna be about as good as like Damian Lillard's been. Yes, like, I think like, that's a good call. Dwayne Wade, like I mean, easy Hall of Famer, like tons of stuff that he can hang on his wall i don't know if he'll be quite that Mm -hmm. good but just in that lillard range of like clearly a top 20 player in the league a guy that 
whenever he misses an all-star team, it's just because there was just so much heat ahead of him that he just couldn't get in there. But like that, that caliber of player for a long right. time. Like, I, I mean, Wade's got a finals MVP. Right. Wade had it not been for, you know, LeBron and Kobe kind of overlapping primes probably has a regular season MVP. I mean, like Wade, I, Wade, Wade is an unbelievably. Yeah. Wade might be like a top 25 player of all time. Like, Oh yeah. I, I think so for sure. I mean, he's, I don't know. Where does he rank among sure. shooting guards? But that doesn't mean he's a top twenty-five. I mean, think well, how right, many think how many centers you take over. Where does he rank? Like, is he ahead of Kobe for you? No, no, me neither. I want to put him there, but he's not. <laughs> he's not. If if he's not ahead of Kobe for you, then that means he shouldn't be ahead of Kobe for anyone. You're right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the Lillard comp. I mean, obviously not the same game, but that type of player, like yeah. perennial All Star caliber player, not you know a guy who's going to carry a team to a top. I mean, he's already year. taken his team as the best player to about as many wins mm. as Dame Lewis ever taken the, the Blazers. The to. thing that's impressive and like this doesn't necessarily mean anything in terms of like real basketball numbers, but like Donovan Mitchell is having those in, in, an increasing number of just like wild highlight plays mm-hmm. that you just don't see from rookies like the the sidesteps, the scoop that he had the last scoops. night on Draymond. He like, is just some crazy like, scoops. I mean, that's, I mean, my argument is like that's the kind of stuff you saw out of Wade early. Yeah. Like, yeah, com- yeah. like NBA caliber, like 30-year-old NBA all-star caliber moves out of a rookie. Like you, He's way, way overdeveloped, I think, in those yeah. areas. Does he have any chance to be uh, – we talked about – we talked offline about uh, who's going to – replace lebron as your favorite player once lebron's gone he's he's not in that mix uh well see the thing is i think ben simmons might be the leading candidate after after oh two between the legs dribble fakes the other night against the Cavs. i know he is he's definitely the leading candidate for you Um, no i mean i I feel like i have i mean i like donovan mitchell a lot but if i if ben simmons is on that list i don't think mitchell can be Fultz might be on that list malik monk is definitely on that list wow Um, malik monk's on that list monk is on the list (laughs) he's on the list wow Bam Adebayo, final pick of the lottery. Way better than I thought. Stud. Super super good. I would take him over... Hassan Whiteside? Well, you definitely take him. Yeah. I, I think I actually would take him over Hassan Whiteside. I think the Heat um, would too, and there's a reason that they took him there. <laughs> uh, man, great great job signing Whiteside to that deal, And Olenek. Yeah, they have, um, they have like six centers, which is a bit of an issue, but I mean, so Bam I, has... I definitely take Bam over Kennard and Monk. Uh, yes. Zach Collins. Definitely over Zach Collins. Neil um, Definitely over Neil Kina. I wouldn't take him over Dennis Smith. No. Sue um, me. Would you take – would you consider him over Isaac? Not yet. Okay. Yeah, not, I think – Not but, yet. So, like – I mean, we haven't gotten to, like, Kuzma or anything like that, but, like, borderline top ten player from the class, Bam, Bam Adebayo. And I was dead wrong about that. I, I wasn't – a big believer in his game being kind of modern day big caliber. I just mm. didn't think he was going to protect the rim or shoot enough, and he's been better than expected. I, I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan of his game. I just thought he was going to be way more raw than this, and he still is in some ways. But they haven't necessarily like they haven't had all these injuries where they've needed him to play thirty minutes or twenty minutes for two straight months, which is basically what happened. Like he just played his way into the rotation mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um and he had a lot of nights where he didn't really do anything other than catch lobs but i mean his his big nights were big i mean he had back in i think mid-january like a 16 15 and 5 game with three assists he had a 15 and 13 game with six assists you know those are you know cherry pick games but not many rookies you know in his type of you know his type of game which was considered so underdeveloped coming out you know can put up those kind of numbers um, all right, we can kind of skip around now that we're out of the lottery. I don't have much to say about Justin Jackson. 
I think he plays a hell of a lot fewer minutes if he's not with the Kings. That whole rotation was kind of a mess. Justin Patton, complete wash. Um, I, even if he was healthy, I don't think he was really ever going to play for the Timberwolves this year. Um, but he's, I mean, I'm still somewhat high on him, I guess. I, I'm not really. No. Um, I mean, just like how high do you want me to be on a guy that I wouldn't take? Like, would you take him in the top? 20 of this draft if you redid it take him over harry giles i don't know i think he i probably wouldn't goes I, I wouldn't over harry giles no, who played would, zero minutes i would take harry giles okay all right well next on the list 17 dj wilson i would take Wolf. him over dj wilson <laughs> <Wolf>. <laughs> dj wilson is i think in like in 10 years he'll be the andre ingram like he finally made his way back to the league after 10 years with the wisconsin herd tj leaf He's played. He's played in fifty-three games. I'm yet to see him play. Every time I watch the Pacers, he doesn't play. He just logs a lot. He logs like four <laughs> minutes at the end of every game. I honestly, do, I'd like to see evidence that he's still alive. Um, <laughs> I, no, the, the guy we need to see evidence is still alive is Tyler Lydon. He walked oh, off man. the stage. We've given so much. We've sent so much fade or shade Tyler, Tyler Lydon's way this year. I feel bad about it. I don't feel bad at all. He, <laughs> He got drafted, walked poor, off the stage, and, then, and nobody saw him again. <laughs> uh, 19, John Collins. That was a hell of a pick. That was a hell of a pick. Now, would you take John Collins over Bam? No, because I think Bam could have kind of done the same thing in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I mean, the weird thing with, with Collins was it was evident. I he, mean, to us, it was evident back in, like, May that the Hawks weren't going to contend. I think they tricked themselves for the first month. They're like, we'll see how it plays out, which is fair. You know, you should do that. But even when it was extremely clear that they were tanking, they still like went out of their way to play Ursan 30 minutes and only give Collins like a max of 20. And he's finally kind of been let off the leash a little bit. Um, but he, I mean, he's, he's been really good. I just thought, I think he could have had a bigger role for more of the year. Is he already a top five in-game dunker? <sighs> no but that's just because there are a lot of other better players. He, he's had some great throwdowns in he game has. this year. He's very Really springy. impressive. He's extremely springy. He's someone I, I just I do wonder, you know, what I, – I don't know. I think if for a good team, he like really wouldn't have been in the rotation this year, as impressive as he was. Like These numbers are a little bit empty. Uh, but the Hawks aren't going to be good next year either, so we should get to see more of him. <laughs> All right, well, tell me how good Harry Giles was. Uh, well – I just I, I think that it was a, I don't know if I like the move to trade up the way they did or, or do that that draft day trade that they did but I think that Harry Giles like holding him out for the whole year it's it's gonna be you know people are haters are gonna hate if if he's not very good early next season but I think there's still a chance that now that he'll be fully healthy um physically probably without many restrictions i mean the only restrictions on him will be that he's probably just not uh there's just so much rust there with the nba game that you can't play him for more than like 18 24 minutes early next season but i still think he has a chance to go down as a top 10 player from this class uh i hope i'm wrong i'm ready to 100 percent write him off just I because think. he didn't play this year look he he's healthy by all accounts right like, why did he not play it's the Kings. Um, I, I'm they were, they were trying to tank. 
<laughs> he was too good. <laughs> he was too good. They couldn't they couldn't unleash no, the I, beast. It's not like I no, I love his game. Like you watch his high school tapes, which is now like four years ago. Like he was incredible. But I just I think he's too injured. I think it sucks. He's just his body betrayed him. I just don't I don't know what even if everything breaks right health wise the rest of his career, like what is his ceiling? I don't know. His whole game was predicated on being an extreme athlete. I mean, he definitely could still have a better career than John Collins or Bam Adebayo. <laughs> Stop bringing Bam into this. Why couldn't he? Why couldn't? Why couldn't he? Uh, all right. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Do a, we'll hey, save wait, this for t- the Harry Giles. Hey, too time. early. Too early to call. Yeah, too close to call. <laughs> Terrence Ferguson. You want? To, he's a better in-game dunker than John Collins. That's all I have to say about him. Okay. And he's in that Gatorade commercial, which okay. is kind of cool. Jared Allen, top three hair in the game. Is Jared Allen close to Collins or Adebayo for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Allen is kind of in the same... Like, that's a good pick. Like, they, yeah, oh, that yeah. was a hell of a pick. No, I think Allen, to me, is kind of like Collins, where, like, for so much of the year, they were only playing Allen 20 minutes because Mozgov had to hit, had to get his five minutes and, you know, Dante Cunningham had to get his minutes. But, I mean, Allen, I just read today, he leads all rookies in blocks per game, you know, which, say what you will It's kind of that. funny he's, that, like... He's good. Like, this was Jared Allen's season, and yet I feel like Jared Allen is the absolute floor for Bam Adebayo. Is that fair? I, I mean, are they really the same player? Kind of. Just super, Jared Allen's like, like wingspan wise. Yeah. Jared Allen's got at least, what, three inches on Bam? Well, I think Jared Bam's Allen's a little got under like three inches on like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, Jared Allen's good. I mean, is he, where does Do he you rank? want him to beat, do you ever want him playing 30 minutes a game? I think, Ideally, that means he's good. Well, but like, you know, I mean, there's you have some limitations to what you can do offensively when he's in the game, I think. I think right now, yeah. I mean, if I think in like two years, you're assuming he gets better. Mm -hmm. I mean, where does he rank right now among like Brooklyn's long term assets? Like, is D'Angelo still number one? Well, Ronda Hellish Jefferson. Right. Um, (laughs) Alan Alan Crabb at 40 the other night. I think Spencer Dinwiddie's number one. I don't even think he's going to be there next year. No, that's true. He's not. A, he's not an asset I, in yeah. terms of young players on that team that I would want. He might be number one, but yeah, you're right. I mean, where, is Russell still number one? Like that. that Dude, whole he is bizarre, such a train wreck that's defensively. So, so it's really bad. Uh, I see Russell. Russell is kind of what I'm talking about with Dennis Smith, where like I am very impressed by like his his highs offensively are very very high, and he's just it's not consistent enough for you'd be able to stomach how bad the defense is. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of defense, OG, this guy went to the right place. Like that's, that's where that's a place where like Josh Jackson, I think would have been much better off going. Uh, and this was, this worked out perfectly for OG. Unfortunately, Josh Jackson did not slide down. No, uh, didn't didn't fall to the Raptors, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, but it just couldn't have worked out better for both sides. Uh, I think I would take him over. I mean, he's he's a lottery pick for sure. Yes, yes and sure. a borderline top ten guy. He, well, one yesterday I just found out that his real name is Ogugwa. Just gonna pretend I never found that out. I wanted to just be OG. That's way cooler. Even though I knew deep down it wasn't actually OG. Like <laughs> I just it, I, I was avoiding down. looking. Uh, <laughs> but he was a guy coming in. I think we only projected him for like fifty games, and that was optimistic because like people thought he wouldn't be back till January. And he played like 20 minutes on opening night and never really looked back. I mean, it's he's been as good as advertised on D. 
And then the surprise is that he's shooting like 37% from three, which was like the big question mark. And he just blew that out of the water. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's probably more of a diss to the rest of the players on, on the Raptors roster, but pretty much everyone agrees he's their best option for defending LeBron, which is not good. Nobody wants to say it. (laughs) It's not good, but also a testament to him. Like he's clearly a better defender than CJ miles. Right. Cool. Which not everybody, not a lot of people can say that. Okay. Next to Tyler Lydon. He got surgery in January. Um, Are we going to get to Kuzma? We're going to get to Kuzma. We're almost there. Next pick was and Zedge's, Pass the Knicks. That's mm-hmm. not that's not a real guy. Mm-hmm. Good pick by the Magic there. Swanigan to, at twenty six. Already talked about him. Kuzma twenty seven. You know, I, does it does it feel to you that these numbers are like a little bit empty with Kuzma, or not? Uh, like in that he's a really bad defender. Or well, what? in that he's just been like, hey, go play thirty five minutes a night and shoot whenever you want, type of thing. Well. I mean, if his numbers are empty, then Josh Jackson's numbers are meaningless. Oh, yeah, I of mean, course. like, like, right. You know, at some point, like, we kind of only have what we have to work mm-hmm. with. Uh, I think it's he's got the type of offensive skill set that'll play anywhere, yeah. and it's just like his his defense is never going to be good. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's not a guy that ever should be playing like thirty six minutes a night on a winning team. But he's he's a guy that I think every team could could find yeah. thirty minutes for. Yeah, two points on him. One, it's very rare that the guy who's like the darling of the combine becomes, you know, the darling on draft night that everybody's like, wow, this guy's going to be great. Plays well in summer league, plays well in the preseason, and then carries it over through basically the entire NBA season. I mean, you almost never see that. Right. Two, this is the last guy we'll play this game with. Where does he go in a redraft? Uh, I think he goes top 10. I just think the offensive skill set is that yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you you get into, like, the Dennis Smiths. So that's where you start having a decision. Like, to me, I'd still take Markin in. Oh, yeah. I Although, like, numbers-wise, Kuzma's better. But. I wouldn't take I, – I mean, I wouldn't even consider him over Markin. Okay. I, I might – I think I would take him over – I think where it gets interesting is, like, him versus Jonathan Isaac versus Josh Jackson. I'd still take Jackson, but yeah, I think so. Um, like, I think you have a much, it's so much easier to integrate Kuzma into any team than it is Jackson sure. or uh, Isaac, just because you, you know, he, he does everything you want an offensive role player to do. And as long right. as he's got enough good defensive players around him, it's fine that he, that he can't guard the best wing yes. on the other team. That is absolutely correct. I think it's a lot easier, though, to think think that way when you get him at 27 because like if, right. if you're drafting this offensive role player you don't necessarily want that to be the fifth pick well and so when it where it gets interesting is like comparing him and like dennis smith and deer and fox like those guys have clearly like significantly higher upsides to me but when you have dennis smith or when you have deer and fox that guy needs to get the ball for 30 like he needs to run mm-hmm. the point for that that long and that might not be a winning right. formula whereas kuzma you just put him in the corner yeah. and you know it's it's interesting well and if you're doing the redraft now it's like if you're the kings would you bet on De'Aaron fox being better than kuzma in five years because kuzma is way better than De'Aaron fox right now mm-hmm. so it's like you know if you're really going to do this redraft I think, exercise yeah it's i like think known versus what could be if you're uh the kings or the mavs you'd rather take the gamble on the guy with the upside yeah like fox or smith but any of those teams that picked 
ahead of the Lakers that were sort of in win now mode yeah. would have gladly taken Kuzma over both of those point guards. Yeah, I would take Kuzma over everybody that went ahead of him from like ten on, except for Donovan Mitchell. I think you could argue for OG. You could. I was argue just going to ask, like, how how close is it for OG versus close. Kuzma? I mean, OG is like the Kuzma of defense. <laughs> I think I would actually take OG over Kuzma. Okay, and uh, yeah, I think that would be a close to fifty fifty split. All right, last three first rounders: Tony Bradley, Derek White. Didn't really see much of those guys. Derek White had a couple decent games. Josh Hart. I he like was Josh super Hart. good last night. Dude, he looks he looks like he'll be a like seventh or eighth man for the next twelve years. I like him a lot. Yeah, he's this drafts uh guy that was awesome in college and people slept on blah 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 right. like jalen brunson malcolm brogdon cool like yep. he, he's definitely that guy from this draft yeah i mean still somewhat of like a, a low-ish ceiling you know i don't know if he like he could start for a bad team i guess but i think he has i mean the lakers i think nailed this draft at least you know you could argue on lonzo but their their second two picks in the first round were incredible any second rounders you want to hit on Jordan Bell, Jordan I would Bell. take in the top 20 pretty easily, maybe top 15. I would take Jordan Bell over uh, Bam. I would take him over Jared Allen. And he is. I think I would take him over John Collins. I'd take him over Collins for sure. He's, I mean, the, the argument against Jordan Bell is that he's in this great situation and he can just kind of step in and be picked up by the Warriors. But. I mean, didn't he have like an eight, like a couple seven, eight block games with like he's four had or five some assists. crazy like, he, like steal block yeah, like man, totals he, like per thirty six he's averaging like Giannis type yeah. of steal block right type when of he shit. he can come in and play the exact same game that he played in college and it works like that that to me is really really valuable and like mm-hmm. I don't know what happens long term with this Warriors team two three four years down the road but like to have a guy like that just kind of in your back pocket as just a piece to play with whenever you want uh, is is quite the luxury. Uh, yeah, no one else really stands out. I mean, there's quite a few guys in the second round and undrafted. You know, your Cinderius Thornwells, <laughs> your your Jabari Birds, your Dwayne Bacon's. You know, guys who made an impact this year, but you know, not someone that we really care all that much to talk about. So, yeah, I don't know when we'll be back. Um, this is probably going to go on what week three of me asking you if you have any baseball stuff to plug and you saying, "Well, uh, I will say that the guy that my buddy Clay Link and I have been." pumping up ever since december franchi cordero made his 2018 debut today in wet yard so uh we're gurus for a day we're gurus for a day